What's up, Fashion 2022? Y'all, I am so stoked that we are in this moment. And although I can't be in the bins, I am in Atlanta and I could not be more with you tonight. Y'all, I know God is already moving in such absolutely incredible ways. And I know he's going to continue to move in such incredible ways. And what I know more than anything is that the enemy does not want you to hear this message that I'm about to share. I know that the enemy does not want you to be reminded of who you are and what you're called to do, but the enemy cannot stop the move of God. He cannot stop what God is about to do in this place. And so y'all, I wanna remind you of who you are tonight. Yeah, I wanna talk about identity, which should be a great conversation, right? As a culture, we love to talk about identity. We're obsessed with our identity. We love to talk about the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs test. We love any kind of online quiz we could take. We even like to talk about like our childhood self to talk about how we you know, became the person that we are. We love to talk about who we are. But also it's kind of strange because although we're kind of obsessed with talking about who we are, nobody actually really likes to be hit with the question, who are you? Like if you've ever been in a group setting, maybe it's the first day of school or you're at a camp and you're with all these new people and someone says, all right, let's go around the room and let's tell a little bit about who we are. Is that not like the most awkward moment ever? Like all of a sudden you're hit with so much insecurity, so much awkwardness and you're like, wait a second, who am I? What have I ever done in my life? What can I say that makes me look super cool but not cocky? What can I say that makes me look not too weird but I'm kind of funny, you know? Like you're all of a sudden thinking of all of these anxious thoughts and insecurity with who am I? And that's kind of a funny moment and that's kind of silly insecurity and silly anxiety but then for some of us the reality is there is true anxiety and insecurity around the thought of who am I? Because truthfully you're sitting here right now and I know there are thousands of you in this room thinking the same thing, I have no clue who I am. And not only do I have no clue who I am, I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know what I'm called to do and that is a hard place to be friends but you're not alone. And then there's a lot of you who are just confused as to who you are. You identify with all types of things, but none of them are really fulfilling. And I know there are a lot of you in the room. Now, how do I know this? Well, because we've all been there, but also a few weeks ago, I asked on my Instagram, I said, friends, what do you identify yourself with? And I had thousands and thousands of answers. I had things like my looks, my sorority, where I go to school, my grades, I had things like my gender, my sexuality, my race, my family, my background. I had things like my disability. A lot of them said, I, am, I identify with who other people say that I am. And then tons of people who said, I don't know. But then there was another group of people and they were definitely on my Instagram and I know they are definitely in this room tonight at Passion 22, 2022. I know you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, I know the answer to this question. I know who I am. You're almost like excited that I even asked you. You don't even have to say it. You can just sing it. Yes, I am who he says I am. And you are confident to answer that question. Who are you? I am who he says I am. And to you, I wanna say that's awesome. That's awesome that you know the answer to that question that you would wanna say, I am who he says I am. But to you, I also wanna ask you a follow-up question. Has that actually changed who you are? Has who he says that you are actually changed the nature of who you are? 
Because we can say it all day long and we can even say it with confidence, but that doesn't mean we're a confident person. You see, there is a time in my life where I could tell you everything about who he says that I am. I could say he hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I could say that he's made me fearfully and wonderfully. I could say that, man, I've been set free from the bondage of sin and death. I could say all of that. I know who he says that I am, but yet I'm still insecure. I'm still afraid. I'm still living in shame. And so what he said about me didn't actually change me. Friends, you can know everything he says about you, but it ultimately matters. What ultimately matters is who he is to you. See, if he's not on the throne of your life, then what he says about you isn't actually going to change who you are. And so we are gonna talk about identity tonight. And I do want us to be confident in being able to answer the question, who are we? But there's another question that is much more important that we ask ourselves because the answer to that question is actually going to tell us who we are and what we're going to do with our life. I'm gonna read from Matthew chapter 16 tonight, verse 13, but before I get there, I just wanna kinda paint a backstory of where we are at tonight, where Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. This is a huge conversation between Peter and Jesus, and they're having it in a really interesting place. See, they're having this conversation in Caesarea Philippi, and Caesarea Philippi was literally known as the gates of hell, y'all. That, that's not a joke, that is literally what it is called, the gates of hell is the place that Jesus decides to have this conversation at. And the reason why it was so bad is this place was literally the central place at the time for false worship. You say, what does that even mean? Like, there's a central place for false worship? Yes, if you went to Caesarea Philippi, you would see temples lined up all around. And all of these temples were to worship and to serve a different God. None of them was the same God, it was all a different God. There was a God of Pan that was birthed in Caesarea Philippi and that was kind of like the God of all. It was a very lustful God. There was a God, there was the fertility gods that people would go and they would pray to. There was literally dancing goats people would go worship. There was a temple for Caesar that people would go worship Caesar at. I mean, all these different gods in this place and all of these gods being worshiped in very different ways and in different aspects. And this is where Jesus goes to ask his disciples this super important important question, and I think Jesus went there on purpose. I don't think, I know, because he does everything with intention. And he's going to this place where all these other gods are, and he's forcing them to answer this question as to who he is. And this is how the conversation goes. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So right here, where all these other gods are, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, he asked them the question that I think is the most important question that you could be able to answer for yourself tonight. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And get this, he said, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Y'all see how big of a moment this is. Here in this place where all these other gods are, the gates of hell, this is where Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to use you as a rock, and this rock, this big rock, this rock of my church, it is gonna be so massive, this mission is gonna be so big that the gates of hell, all this darkness around us, will not be able to prevail past what we are going to build. What I'm gonna do through you who I am in you. And so notice, when Peter recognized who Jesus was, Jesus in return told Peter who he was. You see, Peter's identity was not found in who Peter found himself to be. Peter's identity was not found in who other people told Peter that he was or what they thought of him. Peter's identity was found in who Jesus said he was after first establishing that Jesus is God. That's the most important question you can answer tonight, friends. Who is God to you? Who is God? Because whoever's on the throne of your life is going to be the one telling you who you are. So if God is God to you, and what God says about you is true, then that will change everything about who you are. And why it's so important that we know our identity is because who we believe we are will directly impact us to do the things that we choose to do in life. You see, after Peter was given his identity, he then was given his mission to build the church. So we have to understand who God is to understand who we are, to understand what we are called to do. And what we're trying to do as a culture is we're wanting the world to tell us who we are, trying to establish ourselves in the world, and then trying to have purpose and go live with intention for the gospel of Jesus. And those two things contradict each other. Because who the world tells you you are and what God calls you to do is typically not going to be a match. They're not gonna go hand in hand. You see, what we're trying to do is we're trying to study the Enneagram to tell us about who we are more than we're studying the word of God to find out who we are. We're trying to take all these personality tests to lead us and guide us through our life instead of leaning on the Holy Spirit. We're scrolling through social media trying to figure out answers to these massive questions about who we are, looking at TikTok, looking at Snapchat articles, trying to figure out who am I instead of really leaning into the voice of God. And here's the thing, I'm a big fan of those things. I'm a six wing seven on the Enneagram. I can tell you everything there is to know about it. I am an ENFP. I know there's some proud ENFPs out there on the myers Bray. I know my zodiac sign, I know all these things. I love social media, but none of that can tell me more about who I am than the one who knit me together in my mother's womb. You see, because what happens is when I say that those things are what I identify with, is what it does is it, it excuses me to not have to be who I'm called to be. Because when I say, yeah, I'm a six on the Enneagram, that just means that I have a very fearful personality. And so, you know what, I'm just gonna be afraid because that's who I am. That's how I was created, I'm a six, this is my identity. But the word of God says that you've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-control. And so I have to ask myself, what do I identify more with? What the Enneagram says about me or what God says about me? See, I was at a friend's wedding recently and there was this powerful moment at the rehearsal dinner. If you've been in this setting, you know, the rehearsal dinner is where everyone's kind of sharing their words with each other. It's a very special moment. And if you haven't been married or your siblings haven't been married, then you might not understand that even though a wedding is so exciting, it can also be really hard for the parents because they're literally giving their child away. And that's a very emotional moment. 
So I'm at this friend's wedding and the mom is giving her speech, the mother of the groom is giving her speech and she's really feeling it. I mean, she's feeling um, a lot of emotion, kind of tearful. And she looks at her son and she says something so profound. She says, son, you know, although nothing about this feels natural, it doesn't feel natural to give you away. That's a hard thing to do. It is extremely biblical. And so although it doesn't feel natural, Man, I rejoice in getting to celebrate this moment because it is biblical. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that is so true for so many aspects of our life. There are a lot of things in life that are not going to come natural to us, friends, but that are extremely biblical. You see, it's not natural for me to turn the other cheek when someone slaps me across the face, but it's biblical. It's not natural for me to wanna go the second mile with someone, but Jesus says, man, if a brother asks you to go one mile, go another. It's not natural for me to forgive someone who has hurt me. What's natural for me is to get angry, to get frustrated, to be enraged, to just never talk to that person again, but the word of God says to forgive 70 times seven. It's not natural for me to wanna you know, resist my sexual temptations or the lust in my heart, but it is biblical. The word of God says to put to death sexual immorality and lust to flee from those things. It's not natural for us to even wanna live sometimes because we wake up and we feel like a failure and nothing's going our way and who even are we and what are we even called to do? But it is biblical that your life has meaning and your life has purpose. And so although it doesn't feel natural because it is biblical, I will step into what I'm called to do. You see, there are some, gonna be some things in your life, friends, that it might be a legitimate reason as to why something feels natural. It might be a legitimate reason as to why you feel you identify with certain things, but I'm gonna tell you something that culture will never tell you. Although it may be legitimate you have those feelings, more legitimate than that is the truth of what God says that you are. Notice something, I didn't say your truth. I didn't say my truth. Because culture would say, yeah, no, your truth. Your truth will set you free. Your truth is what you should follow. My truth is what I should follow. I'm not talking about your truth. I'm not talking about my truth. I'm talking about the truth. You see, one day I Googled because I was trying to find where it said in the word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I was like, couldn't remember where that verse was. So I Googled it. And the first thing that popped up on Google was who said the truth will set you free. So I click on it. And there are just all these accounts of these different people in history who have said this quote, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And Jesus was of course listed as one of the many that said this quote. And as I read this, I thought to myself, that's not true for anyone else to say. You see, the reason why that quote had power when Jesus said, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free is because when Jesus said it, he knew he was the truth and he actually has the power to set you free. He actually has the power to set you free from sin and death. He actually has the power to set you free from shame. He actually has the power to set you free from your confusion. He actually knows he is the truth, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and he is leading you to the Father. He is the way to freedom. The world will say, your truth will do that. But that is a lie. It will not set you free. It doesn't have the power to do that. And that's what we're trying to do, friends. We're trying to take on these big God-like things. See, we want to be our own version of truth. We want to be love. We want to be power. We want to be in control of our life. And we're trying to take on all these attributes of God. But what we're not considering is when you try to carry the weight of who God is, you also have to consider that you gotta carry the weight of your sin. 
And we're not able to do that. And you see, it's the same thing that Eve faced in the garden. You see, Eve's out in the garden, and there's this apple, and it was just very alluring to her. She saw this, and she desired this apple. And then the enemy came up to her and said, hey, like, why don't you take that apple? It'll be fine. You're not going to die. You're going to know good and evil. Like, this is, this, is a, this is an obvious thing. And you're going to be like God if you do that. And so Eve, looking at this, she said, well, it does look good. And I could, I could be like God. So, yeah, I'll do it. And it's that same temptation for us. We want to be like God. We want to be truth. We want to be power. We want to be in control. And so as soon as she took this bite of this apple, she realized, uh-oh, I do know good and evil, but I'm not like God. And she was hit with the weight of her sin. We can't carry that weight. See, my daughter, Honey, she is just the best little girl ever. I'm obsessed with her. If you haven't been able to tell my social media, she is so fun. She has the best little personality. She is honestly already such an extrovert. That's just like who she is. She loves to sit up. She loves to be on the move. She loves to talk and play and all these things. And so with that little personality, you can probably imagine that Honey James hates the car seat. I'm talking, she hates it. Like when I put her in that car seat, it is the most dramatic thing. It is like, wow, like everything tries to get out of the car seat because she does not like to be strapped in. She doesn't like to be strapped in. And I understand, she's a wiggle worm. And so if Honey could talk, Honey would probably say to me, mom, let's just be real here. This is not natural for me. This is not working out for me. This is holding me back from who I really am. This is totally constricting me. And so it is my truth now that I don't need a car seat. It would be so much more fun if I could just sit in your lap, we could talk. How freeing would that be? That would be awesome, right? And as her mom, what I don't do is I don't say, oh yeah, you know, you're right. It it would be so much more fun for you. You could, you know, not have to be held back. You could be free. We could have fun. It'd be who you are. No, I don't say that. I strap her here and I strap her there and then I grab the seatbelt and I put another strap around her and then I tighten that as tight as I can, not because I'm trying to hold her back from who she truly is, but because I know what's best for her life. And just because her truth may be different doesn't mean that the effects of a car crash would be any different for her. Just like us, just because we wanna say we have a different truth doesn't mean the effects of sin will be any different for us. See, Proverbs says there's a path that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And we have to trust God enough to know that he knows how he created us. He knows how he made us. And it is with beautiful intention and beautiful design. And I have to say something. There is something amazing about the fact that he did make us all original, all individual, all different. Our kingdom is so diverse. And that is an amazing, amazing gift. I love that my daughter is different than every other baby in the world. I love that I'm different than every other person in the world. I'm an original and so are you. God didn't make us all the same and that's an amazing thing. But we can't go find out more about our originality and our identity by who the world says we are, but we have to find that in who God is, who he created us to be based off the nature of who he is. There's a part in the movie The Lion King that really just represents this moment so well. You see Simba, you know, had been living his Akuna Matata lifestyle. He had run from all of those worries. He had run from all the things that held him back, the shame that he had, the person he knew himself to be. And he's just living this life, Akuna Matata, it means no worries. I'm just gonna do my thing. I'm just not gonna worry about anything in the world. And then one day he was going to wash his face in the water. 
And as Simba went over to the water to wash his face, he looked in the water and all of a sudden he didn't see his own reflection in the water. He saw his father's reflection in him. And what that did for him when he saw his father's, all of a sudden he was reminded of who he was and he was reminded of what he was called to do. And he looked at himself and he said, I gotta go back. I gotta go back, I gotta do what I'm called to do. I gotta do what I'm responsible for. And so Simba ran all the way back to Pride Rock into the darkness. If you see the movie, it's super dark. There's fire all around and Scar is just literally owning this mountain. And as Simba's running back, he lets out this giant roar. And as soon as he lets out this roar, Scar turns around and with fear in Scar's eyes, the enemy of this movie, he says, Mufasa, recognizing Simba's father's voice in him. And you see, that's how it was for Peter that day when he got a good glimpse of who God was. He was reminded of who he was and then he's gonna go out and try to start a church and he did start a church that the gates of hell shall not prevail and thousands of years later, 55,000 college students are in this house, in this room, worshiping that same God. And so friends, when you get a good look at who God is and you know who you are and you're reminded of what you're called to do, the enemy will no longer, you know, try to intimidate you because he's intimidated by who God is within you. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. See, Moses had the same revelation. Moses kind of living his own Akuna Matata lifestyle where he had run from Egypt and he's tending this mountain and all of a sudden this burning bush comes, but the bush is not burning. And God begins to declare Moses' name, Moses, Moses. And then God tells Moses what he's called to do. He's called to go back into this place that's very intimidating for Moses to go back to. And all Moses can think about is who he was. Moses is thinking, okay, first of all, I'm a murderer, a murderer man. Second of all, I have a speech impediment. There's no way I can do this. And Moses asked God the question that many of us have that anxiety around. He asked God, who am I? Who am I, God, that I could do anything? Who am I that I could go do what you're calling me to do? And I love what God said in response to Moses. He didn't sit there and say every single thing that he says about who Moses is. He didn't say, Moses, you're amazing. Do you not know how I created you to be? You're, I mean, do you not see this aspect of you that's awesome and this aspect of you that's awesome? No, he didn't sit there and focus on who Moses was. God said this, he said, I am who I am. And when you go back and people ask who sent you, you just tell them that the great I am sent you. See, it doesn't matter if we try to figure out who we are. What really matters is if we figure out who he is. It's so important to myself that I know this. It's so important to me that I know who God is. This has changed everything about me knowing who God is. And so there's this message that I've listened to probably a thousand times and I'm literally not being dramatic. It's a message by Priscilla Shire and uh, it's titled, Who's Your Daddy? It's probably posted about 10 years ago on YouTube. I probably found it about five years ago. And I'm not kidding when I say I've listened to it that many times because I need a reminder of who God is every day of my life. I listen to that in hard seasons of my life. I listen to that every single time before I speak, including today when I'm feeling nervous and anxious and really doubting who I am, but I need a reminder of who God is because if God's in me, then I can do what he's calling me to do. So I've listened to that so many times. I know, I know this message. 
And I wanna declare this message over you tonight of who your God is. So maybe you're sitting in the room and you've been trying to figure out who you are and that path has led you to confusion, that path has led you to extreme anxiety, that path has even led you to depression. You're sitting here and you have no, no clue who you are, but tonight you're actually understanding that, wait a second, my God is God and he is my Father and that's who I belong to. If you're starting to realize that tonight, and you wanna agree with who God is, then as I read who God is and as I declare who God is, I want you to stand up in this Mercedes Benz. And tonight you're answering the question for yourself, Jesus, you are God. And God, you are my Father. This is who you are. And if this is who you are, I know who I am and I will do what I'm called to do. And so as I declare this, friends, I just ask that you would stand and I'm standing with you here in Atlanta and this is not only going to touch Atlanta, but this is going to touch the world if we can get this revelation tonight. Priscilla said that, you know, as she's sitting alone and she looks herself in the mirror, she says sometimes she asks herself, girl, who's your daddy? And then she says to herself, she says, he is the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was, always is, always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated and never undone. He was bruised but brought healing. He was pierced but eased pain. He was persecuted but brought freedom. He has risen to bring power and he reigns to bring peace. You remind yourself that he is light, he is love, he is longevity and he is the Lord. He is goodness and power and faithfulness and he is God. He is holy and righteous and powerful and pure. His ways are right, his will eternal, his mind unchanging and his mind is on us. He's our savior, our guide, our peace, our Lord, our comfort, our joy, and he rules our life. He's the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the leader of all leaders, the ancient of days, the ruler of all rulers. His goal was a relationship with me. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, never mislead you, never forget you, never overlook you, and never cancel your appointment in his appointment book. When you fall, he will lift you up. When you fail, he will forgive you. When you are weak, he is strong. When you're afraid, he is your courage. When you are broken, he will mend you. When you're blind, he will lead you. When you're hungry, he will feed you. Get this, when you face trials, he is with you. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he will comfort me. When I face loss, he will provide for me. When we face death, he will carry us all home to meet him. He is everything to everyone, every time, everywhere, and in every way. He is your God, and that is who you belong to. I expect there are people standing up all over this room declaring who God is to him. And if you believe that that is who your God is, you will not be confused by who you are because he's not confused by who he is and he is not confused on the purpose of your life. We're gonna talk about so many things over the next day, about the things that we're called to do to go and to tell the nations about who God is. And friends, you can't do that unless you get this tonight that God is God to you, that the gates of hell shall not prevail past his kingdom, and that that God in you can do more than you could ever think of, ask for, dream of, or imagine. I'm gonna pray for you tonight that you truly believe that. God, we thank you so much that you are so powerful, that God, who I just declared you to be is who you are, and you are our Father. 
You are who we belong to. And if that is who we belong to, then God, we have the power with you in us to change the world, to light up the world. God, we have the power to go out and to restore broken places, to mend broken hearts, God, to bring hope and life and freedom to places that just feel like a desert and may even look like one right now. God, I pray for every person who has been battling this battle of identity, questioning who they are and so much confusion because the enemy is coming in their mind just like he came to Eve and he's giving them all these lies, mixed them with a little truth that it's just confusing. God, I pray that you silence the voice of the enemy, that he would no longer have any authority to tell these young people who they are because they find themselves in who you are. God, I would much rather be known in who you are because you are never changing. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you keep going from glory to glory to glory than try to find myself in the world that is changing literally every single day with trends and popularity and anything that is acceptable and pleasing. God, I wanna find myself in the rock of ages. And Jesus, I pray that these people would today. And Lord, I pray that you would set your church on fire, God. I pray that you would do it in our generation, that we would get to see a church set ablaze for you, God. People knowing who they are because they are so set on who you are. God, you're so big and you're so powerful. And God, I know that you can do what you said you can do. No matter how dark this world is, you are the light of the world. And you called us to be the light of the world, so God will step in boldly. Jesus, it is in your name we pray. And the church who knows who you are, knows who they are, and what they're called to do says amen. Amen. I love you, Passion. It's gonna be an amazing year. Go out and set the world on fire.